um, to where we are going. As people of God, as his church, as those of us who are followers of Jesus, and even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, there is a call in our lives and humanity, and, and um, especially if we have already accepted Jesus in our life, there, we are called to be a redemptive presence in our world and our culture. Obviously, Jesus, he is the ultimate redeemer. He redeems us in this world, but how does he do it? One of the main ways is partnering with us, which leads me to, so how do we do it? If the main way that God brings about his redemptive purposes for this world, if he uses us and he partners with us to do it, then how do we do it? How do we partner with him? How do we participate and enunciate his redemptive presence and the kingdom of God here on earth? This morning, I want us to look at one of the ways that we can play our part and partner with Jesus. And I'm so glad it's not an equal partnership. Are you? I'm so very, very pleased that Jesus is God and I'm not. And my uh, husband and sons are particularly good at reminding me of that every now and again. I say, I'll do, mommy, you're not God. Stop telling us what to do all the time. <laughs> but equally, equally as well as as much as I am thankful that he is God and I am not, I am beyond happy that I get to work alongside Jesus and seeing his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And that invitation isn't just for me because I happen to be a pastor. That invitation is for every single one of us who calls Jesus our Lord and who belong to him. So let's talk this morning about an inspirational dreamer. Can anybody guess who I'm going to talk about? Anybody who's been in Sunday school? Come on, shout out. I think I heard Joseph. Did I hear Joseph? Yes. Okay. You can find the whole story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 and then 39 to 50. 13 chapters devoted to this one man, his dreams, and the subsequent rescue of nations. So I think we should get reading, should we? Chapter 37. No, I'm only joking. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're not going to do 13 chapters. We definitely wouldn't be out of here in time for, like, I don't even know, back, for coming back to Alpha again this evening if we did that. We're going to cheat a little, and we're going to read the synopsis of Joseph's life found in Acts chapter 7, verses, 7, verses 9 to 10. So why don't you turn there with me if you've got your Bibles. If you haven't, wave, and Jason or Claire will give you out a Bible if you don't already have one with you. But it'll be on the screen. Acts chapter 7, verses seven or verses 9 to 10. Here's what it says. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Joseph is a fantastic model for all of you who work in normal jobs, which I mean outside the church, right? The rest of you all work normal jobs. We get, yeah, our job is, is pretty abnormal sometimes compared to what you get to do. You get to work in the everyday parts of this place. You work in factories and offices and schools and hospitals and worksheds and warehouses and homes. And Joseph was part of God's chosen people. But then he finds himself enslaved and living in a foreign pagan land very different from his own. 
Joseph's story in Genesis begins when he is just 17. Anybody here 17? Put up your hand. Any 17-year-olds? No? No? Okay. Jordan Burr's nearly 17 because he's going to be counting down until he can drive. So he, he could tell you exactly how many days he's off it. So Joseph's 17. But did you notice what happened to him straight after he has the dreams? He went into a period of preparation. And the preparation lasted 13 years until he was 30. Then in one day, after all those 13 years, he goes from preparation to promotion. And he faithfully stewards the next 80 years of his life. I feel like I'm giving you all the spoiler alerts before we go into this story. But for 80 years, Joseph, he stays at the top working with diligence, serving God as he's serving Pharaoh. There's some lessons that we can learn from the life of Joseph. He had a double dream. We see this in Genesis 37, right at the beginning of a story. He had two dreams, and the first dream was that he dreamt that he was elevated above his brothers, and in the second dream, he dreamt that he was elevated above his parents. Now, I'm sure he would have preferred for the dreams to be more specific. I'm sure that he would have liked to have God to give him a wee bit more than just that glimpse as lovely as it was, probably him to think, oh, someday I'm going to rule reasons. But I'm sure he would have loved to have a wee bit more detail. I'm sure he would have liked God to have told him that actually, do you know what this means, Joseph? This means that one day you're going to be the equivalent of the prime minister of Egypt. But the dreams are more vague than that. Maybe that's why he shared them with his brothers. Who am I kidding? He was totally shown off, wasn't he? He was not sharing those, those dreams with his brothers for any other reason than showing off. You see, his brothers were already mean to him because he was their dad's favorite. So he thought, just you wait. I've had dreams where you all bow down to me. No wonder they plotted against him. Dreaming is so very important. There is something about a dream that causes our faith to rise. But not just any dreams. We don't want to just dream our own dreams. We want to ask the Holy Spirit for his dreams. God dreams that don't just transform our lives and circumstances, but those around us and beyond. As you read scripture, and as I go about my life, what I see time and time again is God likes to start in the most unlikely of places. Have you noticed that? God doesn't choose the most likely people. And God doesn't turn up in the most likely places. He seems to just choose whoever he wants and turn up wherever he pleases. So where are you this morning in your life? Some of you sitting here this morning might be in need of a new season. You're in this place where you're praying for fresh dreams and fresh words from God. All of us we are in a season of holding on to the dreams and words that God has already spoken over our lives. And I'm encouraging you, hold tight. Hold tight. Don't give up. Hold tight. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, what is she talking about? It's 2019. Does God still speak in dreams today? Well, the fact that you're sitting here Worshiping God along with the rest of us at Vineyard Church in Gannon is indeed proof that God still speaks to us in dreams. 
And if you haven't had a chance to hear our story and what that looks like and how Jason and I and our family ended up being in Dungannon, then the next time we run a Place to Belong course, please come along and you can hear the whole story. What I do wish, though, was that when God sends a dream, that it would happen immediately. None of us like waiting. Do any of you like waiting? Anybody like cues? No. Anybody like knowing that there's something really fun coming up ahead and you have to, have to wait and wait and wait for it? Very often, when God sends dreams, they don't seem to come to pass immediately. Joseph had a 13-year gap until his dream was fulfilled. Abraham and Sarah, if you know their story, they waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. Moses, he waited 40 years for his, and the disciples lived and ministered alongside Jesus for three and a half years. All of them have a period of preparation before the fulfillment appeared. As we look at dreams this morning and we look at, at the significance for them, not just in our own lives, but in, in the lives of the communities and the towns and the nations that God has placed us in, I wanted to look at three Ps. It's not very often I have three, well, sometimes I have three points, but rarely three letters all the same, so I'm, I hope you're all impressed. Okay, good. The first one is preparation. Partnering with God often means he prepares us first. That does not mean that God designs it or sets it up that he wants us to go through bad, horrible things to prepare us. If you have heard that, if you have grown up believing that, I want to break that off you this morning. God does not set up hard, difficult, painful things in our life to prepare us. However, this is the wonderful thing about our God. He can use all of those things to prepare us. There's a huge difference. He is not the author of it. He is not. He doesn't design it and plan it for your life. But whatever comes up in your life, whatever happens, he can use that. The awful pain, the, the despair, the rejection. Whatever has happened, whatever goes on in your life, whatever the hard stuff is, God can walk into the middle of that and he can prepare us and turn that around. Retrospect is a wonderful thing. After spectacularly, can't say that word, feeling my A-levels, maybe that's why I can't say that word, I ended up getting a job in the bank. Something I said I would never do, right? I mean, I used to do careers talks at school, and I wouldn't even go to the bank once. I was like, no, I'm not working in the bank. No way. I want to do something way more exciting than that. Fail your A-levels, and your options become limited, people. All you, all you guys that are studying, keep studying. Anyway, I worked for 12 and a half years there. And to be honest, for most of the time, it was far from enjoyable and life-given. It definitely was not a life-given environment to work in. I loved the friends that I made there. I made some incredible friends. But it was a challenging environment to work in. And it was soul-destroying at times. However, what I didn't know then is what I know now is that it was all preparation for what I'm doing now. You're thinking, how? Really, Michelle? How could working in the bank for 12 and a half years prepare you to lead a church? Well, it did. I don't know how God did it, 
but he sent me on training courses. He taught me skills. Most of all, it was the internal stuff. Most of all, it was the stuff in my character, actually, that he prepared in me as I worked in an environment that I didn't love. It was the working with other people. It was the resilience. It was learning what a hard day's work looked like. All those things where God prepared me and trained me up. Don't despise where you are right now, guys. God, God's dreams for your life are bigger and greater than where you find yourself. Joseph would never have imagined, ever have imagined or ever chosen that the place of preparation for him would be being a slave and then a prisoner. I don't know about you, but I don't really like the preparation part. Do any of you enjoy the preparation part of anything? No. I just want to get there. I just want to get from A to B. I don't really want to do the middle bit. There are three important lessons that I want us to learn from Joseph in this preparation period. The first one is this. Forgiveness is the most difficult thing we have to face. When Joseph was in this period of, um, of preparation, he needed to learn and he needed to lean into forgiveness. Forgiving those who have harmed us. Joseph's brothers abused him, rejected him. They plotted to kill him, threw him down an empty well instead, changed their minds, and then sold him as a slave. Now, I don't have any brothers, right? And when I read this story, I really don't mind, to be honest. I spend most of my life wishing I had a brother. But when I read this story, I'm thinking, I'm quite glad I don't have brothers because I know I would still be my daddy's favorite. And look how that worked out for Joseph. Not too good. Seriously, though. In Egypt, it would have been so easy for Joseph to become resentful and bitter towards his brothers or have a full-on, oh, poor wee me. Instead, he worked hard and with diligence and found favor with his boss until he found too much favor when he worked for Potiphar, and Mrs. Boss falsely accused him of rape, and he was thrown into prison. Just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, a bat sold by his brothers, taken off to a foreign country, a pagan land, somewhere he didn't know, with people he didn't recognize, didn't know anything about. Just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, he gets falsely accused and thrown into prison. Now, I can understand if he didn't forgive. Could you? I can understand if he just allowed himself to become bitter and resentful of his circumstances. But instead, what we find is a man growing in integrity and compassion. That's what we find in Joseph. In this hard, difficult place, we find compassion and integrity. And these are the fruits of God's spirit, not the fruits of unforgiveness. Whatever our circumstances, whatever has been done to us with all gentleness and compassion, forgive. 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 The second thing is faithfulness. Joseph was faithful to God when he was tempted. Now, this was even more dangerous than the, the forgiveness test in his preparation. He was a young man away from home. No one would blame him in that day and age or this one if he gave in to the sexual invitations from the powerful Egyptian woman. She entices him. It says she entices him and day after day after day 
after day, she entices him. It wasn't a one-off temptation. It was day after day after day. You can read the whole story in Genesis 39. Temptation for Joseph was not a one-off thing. It was daily, and his response was perfect. How could I do such a thing and sin against God, he says. He refuses to sleep with Potiphar's wife, runs out of the house, gets out of the situation as far away as he can. This is not part of the dream talk this morning, but I want to say this at this moment. When you're tempted, do what Joseph did, resist and run. Don't just pray, run. Get out of the house you find yourself in. This might be a word of the Lord, either for you, for someone here in this room or someone listening online, but I really feel this is a word from the Lord. I think that there, there may be some of you or one of you and you're in a relationship that is borderline inappropriate and the only safe and wise thing to do today, not tomorrow, today is to end it. I don't want to hear your reasoning. End it and run. It could be what seems like small and cutting small corners, just little small corners now in your financial dealings. Stop it right now and start honoring all the rules, not just the legal ones, but the moral and more importantly, the godly ones too. Resist and run. Resist and run. The third thing that Joseph learned and lent into in a season of preparedness was fruitfulness. Learning to be fruitful when times are tough is tough. There's no way of sugarcoating this. When you are in a season of hard, when you're in a season of tough, when you're in a season where you feel that you've been falsely accused, where you, um, people are against you, where you are somewhere unfamiliar, where you have been abused, where you have been laid against, where you are in that situation, it is incredibly difficult to be fruitful, but not impossible. Joseph didn't wait until his big breakthrough to work hard and honor God. He didn't wait until the, the breakthrough came. He didn't wait until the promotion came before he began to be fruitful. It happened in the hardest of places, in a prison, in a household where he was a slave. In the most confined place that you can think of, Joseph honored God with his work. And it says that his, and his heart posture was good, and in that place, God gave him success. Not long after he came into Potiphar's house, Potiphar put him in charge of the whole household. The jailkeeper, when he was in prison, put him in charge of the whole jail. Everywhere Joseph went, it was this integrity and diligence and hard work and fruitfulness that he was prepared to pour out of his life, even in the hardest of places, that saw him be promoted, even before he came to his final promotion. Do you see that? The season of preparation can seem hard, but it is so important that we lean into all that God would have, us, have for us and wants to do in us in this season. 
See, we can miss it. We can miss it. We can miss this part because it's the difficult bit. But God wants us to be fruitful where we are right now. God just doesn't want you to be fruitful where he has, he's had, has for you in the next 5, 10, 20 years of your life. He wants you to be fruitful right now. In a job that you hate. It's really difficult to be fruitful in a job that you hate. Maybe your personal life is not where you would like it to be. Maybe you look around your life and, and you just think, this is not the life I thought I would have. This is not what I want for my life right now. Well, be fruitful where you are. Invest in what you do have in your life, not what you're longing for. Maybe your heart's desire is for a different relationship. Maybe your heart's desire is for a life that looks different. But how are you investing in what you already have in your hand? How are you investing in that? How are you bearing fruit there? In a season of hiddenness, do the root work. Do the work on the roots. Do the internal work so that when the season of fruitfulness comes, you're ready to bear much fruit. So the time comes for Joseph's promotion. And he's still in prison. Joseph, his friend, the cupbearer, who he met in jail, right? So Joseph is still in prison. Meantime, his friend, the cupbearer, has been taken from prison and he's back working in the palace of the king with Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream and all of a sudden the cupbearer, this is a few years, a couple of years later, but he, he suddenly remembers, he goes, oh, hold on a minute. I know somebody who can interpret your dream the king's dreams, because all of the king's court, Pharaoh's court, no one knew how to interpret the dreams he was having. And the cupbearer remembers, and Joseph then is quickly found from the prison, tidied up a bit, and then brought in before Pharaoh. And on that very same day, he's given a remarkable promotion. It is a remarkable turnaround. One minute, he's literally in the prison. The next minute, he is made prime minister of Egypt. Just like that. Acts 7 verse 10, and I'm going to read it in the NLT this time, the New Living Translation. It says, God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. God didn't just give give Joseph the interpretations of the dreams that Pharaoh had. It says God gives Joseph unusual wisdom and favor. See, God wants to move in us and through us. The two keys to Joseph's dreams being fulfilled were wisdom and favor. Joseph had a remarkable prophetic gift. There is no doubt in that. When you see the dreams he had and how he interpreted them and how he was able to um, discern prophetically what those meant, he had an amazing prophetic gift of dream interpretation. And if you and I were Joseph, right, and you're in that prison, and you, in the past when you have interpreted dreams, the first time you interpreted the dreams to your brothers, they sold you as a slave. The second time... You can read this again in the story of Joseph. The second time he interpreted the dreams to the cupbearer and the baker, one of them literally lost their head. 
It would have been so easy for Joseph to think, do you know what? See this whole interpreting dreams thing? Doesn't really lead to a very good outcome often. Maybe I'm not going to interpret these dreams for Pharaoh. Maybe it would be better just to not, just keep quiet and just say, I don't know the answer to this. There's nothing coming through. But he steps in. You see, the first time around, it wasn't a dream that was the problem whenever he interpreted for his brothers. When he shared the dream, it wasn't the dream that was the problem. It was who he told. The haughty attitude of the 17-year-old He was nowhere near ready to share interpretations of dreams at that stage. But Joseph had allowed the years in prison to transform him from an arrogant young man to a compassionate, humble one. And his gift is incredibly accurate. It was prophetic wisdom that opened the door and brought Joseph right in before Pharaoh. If Joseph had just interpreted the dream, Pharaoh wouldn't have handed over the control of the whole country to him. But the dream opened the door, but it was another gift from God, another dimension of God's wisdom that he gave Joseph that made Pharaoh trust him. God gave him pragmatic wisdom. I absolutely love that God gives us prophecy and also gives us plans and pragmatic strategies. I love that God is both. I love that that we get to lean into the the freedom and sometimes it feels like the wildness of the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I also love that it was the same Holy Spirit, the same God that intricately designed this universe. The same God that gave instructions, intricate, minute detail of how he wanted his temple to be built. Same God. Wonderful, beautiful insight and amazing, technical, insightful detail. It's all God. And it was both of these, both of these in the life of Joseph, both of these gifts given to Joseph by God that brought him into this place of promotion. Genesis 41:37 says this, "The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials." See, we just don't get to live our own dreams. We just don't get to live out our own dreams, the things that are going to benefit just us. But big dreams that will change our towns, our cities, and our nations. And when we dream those dreams, then what we need is the same as what Joseph needed. We needed the prophetic wisdom of God and the pragmatic wisdom of God, the vision, the strategy, and the plans to see those dreams fulfilled and come into play. Joseph, he is a hands-on leader. He works hard. We need vision, dreams, but we also need hard work. I love Give a Day to Duncanon. I love that Ali Moore is leading it this year, and he's doing such a fantastic job. But I just love that. I love that literally we are going to get our hands dirty. I loved um, last year when I was making the food and seeing everybody coming in dirty. It's great. It's like these people have literally sweated and they are exhausted and they are tired because they have spent themselves physically on behalf of our town 
in our community. And it is a wonderful thing. God made us for work. He doesn't want it to be a, a hardship, something that weighs us down, but he wants us to feel fulfillment in it. Joseph is a hands-on leader. Who wants promoted in your life? Who's longing for a promotion? Who's longing to see their time of preparation done and dusted? Who wants to see their dreams fulfilled? Who wants an upgrade of, of wisdom? Who wants to have more strategic wisdom of God to help um, deal with the intricacies that you're facing to, to solve the problems that just seem insurmountable? Who wants those things? Then put your shoulder to the plow in front of you. Back to those, those where, what has God already put in your hand? What is already in front of you? When God knows you're ready, you walk humbly before him. And when you've proven faithful in the tough times when no one notices, God is the author of our promotion. And when the time comes, he loves to elevate us, not for our glory, but for his We too are like Joseph. We are called to bless Pharaoh in the land that we live in. As followers of Jesus, those of us who love him and follow him, then we we live like strangers in a strange land. Our home is coming back down here to earth. We're not leaving earth. We're coming back to earth with Jesus. But sometimes it feels like we live in like strangers in a strange land. But we are called to bless where we are, everywhere we go. We are in exile until Jesus returns, but we are to bless this earth and all its people. And God's dreams, when they come into fruition, do just that. The third P is purpose. Joseph stays at the top for 80 years. Wow, 80 years. 80 years at that level of leadership, 80 years at that level of responsibility. How did he possibly manage it? But not only did he manage to do his job for 80 years, we can assume that he did it with his integrity intact. When you read the stories of Joseph's life, there is no sign of any spiritual, moral, or any kind of character scandal. When God does promote you, how do you make sure that you use the influence and affluence in a way that God wants you to? Well, I think the easiest thing is that you remember why God put you there in the first place. And in Joseph's case, it was to save lives. Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph says this. He says, you know, this was intended as something to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God used this young, spoilt, prideful dreamer. He prepared him. He honed him. And then he promoted him. And he did all that, not just for Joseph's glory, 
but in order that a whole family of Jacob for Joseph's whole family. So this wasn't just about Joseph being saved and rescued. This wasn't just about his family coming to Egypt and escaping the famine. This wasn't even about just Egypt escaping the famine. But actually it says that people from all other nations came to buy food. People from all over the world came to buy the food that Joseph had stored up. This was not just about Joseph. Those dreams right back at the very beginning when he was 17 and he saw his brothers bow down before him. That dream when he saw his parents come and bow down before him. It was not just about Joseph getting a promotion. This was about an entire, not just one nation, this was about nations being rescued from famine and death. God's dream for your life is never ever just about you. I need to remind myself this regularly. I'm speaking to myself this morning. And I would say that if your dream that you're holding is only about you, about your plans, about your promotion, about your elevation in your life, then it's not a God dream. It's not necessarily a bad dream. Hear me say that. It's not necessarily a bad dream for your life, but God's dreams for your life, for my life, they always, always involve the rescue and redemption of others. There is a big difference between a good dream and a God dream. You can have good dreams for your life. Young people who are studying hard at school, doing apprenticeships, working hard to build a future. Listen to me this morning. It is good to have good dreams, right? It is good to listen to your parents. It is good to listen to your careers teachers. It is good to have an idea of what you're aiming for. That are, they are all good, good things. But I want, you to, I want to offer you something this morning that is way better. What is the dream that God has for your life? Because God's dream may just, just as well involve all that other stuff that you're dreaming about. But here's the brilliant bit about it. It will not just impact your life, but it will change the lives of people around you too. There is so much more for you to reach for than just having a good dream for your life. And not just the young people. For all of you are sitting going, oh, thanks, Michelle. It's never too late to dream again, people. It is never too late to dream again. God is not done. There's some of you in here this morning and I'm going off on one, but that's okay. There's some of you in here this morning, and you, are at a, you feel that you are stuck. You are stuck in your career. You are stuck in your work life. You are stuck, and you're at a stage where you're like, God, I feel I'm too old to retrain. I feel I'm too old to do anything different. Ask God for his dreams. Ask God for his dreams. Ask God for the courage to step into them. And do you know what? You may already have been in the season of preparation and you just never knew it. It is never too late. It is never too late to dream God dreams over your life. But know this, know the difference. Your dream needs to be bigger than what you could do on your own. Your dream needs to encompass more than just your promotion. Your dream needs to encompass more than just you having a better life. 
If it's to be a God dream, then it must always, always, always be about the rescue and the redemption of others. The primary purpose of Jesus' church is to bring the lost children home to the Father. Joseph physically saved the starving, and that's so good. It's so good to feed the hungry. It is so good to provide for those who do not have. But we also want to see people experience the full redemption of God through salvation in Jesus. As Jason says often, everyone wants a king like Jesus. Just might not know it yet. Or they may not have met him. But everyone wants a king like Jesus. At the end of this man's life, of Joseph's life, we who grew in integrity and stature. Joseph had his eye on the future beyond his own time, his own lifetime. So even at the end, after 80 years of serving diligently and doing all that God had brought him in to do, literally rescuing people from from starvation, at the very end, on his deathbed, he begins to prophesy about the exodus of God's people from Egypt into their own promised land. Hebrews 11, verse 22 says this. By faith, Joseph, when his time was near, end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction concerning the burial of his bones. God dreamers like Joseph, their lives aren't the only ones changed by their dreams. Whole nations are transformed. God dreamers don't just step into a different future. They take others with them. They open the door and they prepare the road for others to walk on. God dreamers have pragmatic, wisdom-filled dreams that bring change and transformation and rescue to everyone in their circle. My question is not, are you a dreamer? I believe all of us can dream. God dreams through the Holy Spirit. All of us. There's no exceptions. You desire a God dream, then ask him. Ask him for one. God will speak to you. God will speak to you. He'll increase your vision. My question is, how wide are you making your circle? Is it wide enough for the whole of Dungannon to include every language, every culture and community? Is it wide enough to include all of Northern Ireland? Or is it wide enough to include the whole island of Ireland? The rescue of the Egyptian people, their survival from famine that could have wiped them out was put into the hands of a slave and a prisoner. The survival of God's chosen people through Joseph and his brothers came through one man who dreamed God dreams, but he had a wide encompassing circle. People came from the whole world for food to Egypt. God's redeeming purposes are for the entire world. Everyone. Everyone. Christ died for all. Everyone. Everyone is inside God's circle. Don't limit your dreams to what you can see in the natural. Let God determine your circle. Let God expand the circumference of it. Not your doubt, not your insecurities, or your pride. Your dreams today 
this week, this month, this year, your dreams could actually rescue an entire nation. I know you don't believe that, most of you. They could. Your dreams could rescue an entire nation. Your dreams could be bigger than your expiry date, just like Joseph. His dream was greater than his lifetime. He saw beyond his own lifetime into the future that God had, to the coming of Jesus Christ himself. Your dreams could end poverty, eliminate domestic violence, turn around our economy, our justice systems, our government. It could transform our schools, our hospitals, our mental health services. Your dreams could lead Muslims to find Christ, provide homes for the homeless, see refugees find a place to belong, and a father who loves them. I love the pragmatic plans and strategy that Joseph employs to feed the starving, but I also love that his eyes looked ahead into the story of God, to the people of God, and even eventually, even beyond what he could see, to the common Messiah, Jesus. It's all linked. God's dreams encompasses full redemption, full, complete restoration and reconciliation. God does not ever separate spiritual rescue from a physical one. That's why in the end, he's coming back and his dwelling place is going to be a new earth with us. Even this physical place we live in matters to God. We are whole people to him. Therefore, our towns, our cities, our nations are whole to him too. His dreams are as wide as the horizon. This kingdom of his that he invites us into to partner with has no end. His kingdom is moving forward and expanding day by day towards the glorious day of his returning. What I want to finish with this morning, dream God dreams. Our life is short. Feels long to all those under 20. <laughs> to those of us over 40 and beyond, it feels shorter every day. We get to live this one and only life. Don't waste it on good dreams. Spend it on God dreams. Spend it on God dreams. God dreams that bring rescue and redemption to those around us in our circle, in our nation, in our towns, to all the nations of the world. Spend your life on that. And dream dreams that last even beyond your own expiry date. Let's stand.